and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting. Amen. Now say this with me. I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path God for my life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just want to acknowledge those of you that are watching with us online. If you're watching with us on Facebook, please, please like, share, but go out to our YouTube channel. There's a link there that's available to you. You can um, make sure to see everything that needs to be seen. And um, um, because you have the channel, you can go back and see other messages that we've done in this series. If you're missing any one of these, you really do need to see them in order because God has given us a specific wisdom on how to teach this in a certain way. And if you break the order, then you'll lose some of the nuances that are necessary to make sure that your foundation is solid and sure. And that's the thing that we're ultimately most concerned about is that you have a foundation on this. Please, you have the you have ask us questions and we'll certainly uh, look to get to those at some point in the series. I'm believing that this series will have some buzz to it, that it'll um, create some create some um, a following that'll help people to hear these kinds of things with hope and courage and confidence that the Lord that um he that begun a good work in me will finish. I'm persuaded that uh, the things that I have committed to the Lord, he will keep against that day. What day? That last day when the judgment is falling down, the fact that I am taking the time like the five wise virgins to get my oil now means that I'll have what it takes to finish my course and not run out of what I need to be a part of that church that is ready when the bridegroom appears. I don't know about you, but I'm living to live again. And I want you to continue on with this series with me. Amen. So just join on with us. Uh, please jump in today. If you need to go back, go back. It's all on YouTube. You can see it is all there and, and it's all crystal clear. If you look at it from our YouTube channel and um, and you'll get some uh, get what you need. I'm also going to come back at the end and tell you about some upcoming events that we'd like for you to be a part of as well. All right. Praise the Lord. Back to the future. Revelation on end time events. Um, just for the sake of um, for the sake of review, we talked about the fact that uh, God is gracing us to be light in darkness. That's really important because. Um, the, the revelation that we must have is that this, the end times um, and those things all happen at the same time, right? Um, if you would think about it this way, um, in Noah's day, the, the flood was preparing while the ark was preparing at the same time. 
Okay, so the destruction was happening, but meanwhile, <laughs> I, I used to watch Batman uh, when I was a kid, the old Batman, not one of the new ones. And then it would say, meanwhile, back at the Batcave, and then there'll be a whole nother scene, some other place. Okay, so what I'm telling you is we want to understand end time events. Jesus talked about the wars and the rumors and all of this. And then he talked about, he said, meanwhile, as far as the kingdom is concerned, the gospel of the kingdom must be preached to the uttermost parts of the world for a witness. So we have, we have a part to do with the timing on Jesus' return too. See, people didn't think about it like that. Like the flood couldn't come until Noah had built the ark. The angel told Lot, the fire can't come till you get out the city. Okay, if, if they didn't have any part to do with it, why would it say it that way? So um, one of the things that I'm, I've been persuaded about was that every move of God was preceded by intercession. The first coming of Jesus didn't happen without somebody interceding. Right? We know that um, Simeon and Anna were in the temple interceding for the first coming of Christ. What I'm telling you is that the second coming of Christ won't, won't happen without you some intercession too. David, Pastor David proved that to me from scripture. The spirit and the bride say come. So if the bride got to say, come, even so come, Lord Jesus, that must mean our prayer must have a part to play. See, I just took you back to the future one time again. Do you, do you see why this, this teaching, the way we're doing it is so important? So we want to be, we want to have our prayer and our intercession life right because you're going to be, you know, um, you should read the one chapter that is the book of Jude, J-U-D-E, second to the last book. You should read that one chapter. It's not long. Don't won't take you a long time. It talks about when it whenever it talks about end time events, it says earnest. It says earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered, and then it talks about that there are going to be these false people among God's people. Whenever it talks about end times, you'll always hear some insight that there are going to be people telling you it's not that deep. Okay, because see, I'm telling you, like, we can go up, but don't, but don't get it twisted. There's going to be people going down. And there's going to be people that say, man, y'all, y'all just... Y'all just too extreme. Yes, I, I am extreme because I want to be extremely saved when extreme things are happening all around me. So, so I am extreme. Guilty. My past, your pastor is extreme. Yeah, he is extreme. But I only got one soul. I got one shot at this, right? And I don't intend to miss it. So I'm very particular about things that people won't even take the time to read, all right? 
So we want to understand. Now, what I was saying about the book of Jude, at the end of the book of Jude, it talks about snatching people out of the fire. Everybody, Pastor, you know I'm telling the truth. It talks about snatching people out of the fire. That's a, that's a type of your prayer life. And it says you should even hate the smell of the garments that they have spotted with the world. All right. So um, I can't be offended with they sin when I'm trying to snatch them out of it. Fireman can't be ex- can't, can't be offended trying to snatch people out the fire. Sin is what sinners do. So I can't let your sin offend me. Bump you. No, I can't bump you. I can pray for you. No, I can't change my standard. I mean, the book ain't going to change for me, my kids, my cousins, my nieces and nephews. It's not changing for nobody. Jesus is not going to break his word for you. And nobody is that special. But I can't I can't let the fact that you over there offend me with you. Abraham couldn't get offended with Lot and not intercede. Because remember, Lot bucked up on old Uncle Abe. He got a blessing by being associated with him. And then he thought that blessing made him as big as his uncle. And then his people start to buck up on Uncle Abe's people. And he says, let's not have strife. We family. Okay, so he couldn't he could have got offended with him. Listen, the blessing you got is the blessing I gave you. He could have done that and he would have been right. But he had to choose whether or not he was going to be correct or compassionate. And I'm choosing to be compassionate. He didn't break his standard. Abraham continued to walk with God. He let Lot do what he wanted to do. But when Lot got himself in trouble, more than one time, right? Because in Genesis 18, Lot got kidnapped, right? And then he had to send out the A-team, his 318 trained servants. That was the first time he got in trouble. And then the second time was when the angels came down to destroy the city. So he was used to getting his nephew, his knucklehead nephew out of trouble. His compassion, he could have just, he could have just, you know, bump you. I was going to say he could have said to hell with you, but I didn't want to say it like that because that might have been too hard for some of y'all ears. But he could have said that, couldn't he? He could have just left him to his own devices. Now, Lot was a grown man. Abraham couldn't obey God for him. Okay, but he could maintain his intercessory responsibility. You see it? Okay, so I'm not telling you, listen, you're going to have to let people do them. They big and bad. Don't don't. The, the father didn't chase after the prodigal son trying to keep him from sinning. You, you can't you got to let grown people be grown people and you can't let them. Listen, 
<laughs> you the only lifeguard they got. You can't get in the water drowning with them. One of us got to stay on the dry land. Both of us can't get in the water drowning. I can't let you take me down because you drowning. Okay. All right. So I'm not, you, you got to love them, but you got you to gotta love them and let them leave. In this hour, one of us got to stay in a position to help both of us. <laughs> Okay, so so spending your time in prayer, spending your time in intercession, just like Abraham did, is important. But you stand in a place where where you and God are all right is also important. Does that make sense? Okay, because we can't, you know, sometimes people want to change the Bible because it's family. Man, I. I it's not even in my notes, but I'm going to just go where, where the Lord's going. Okay. Um, my uncle's in heaven, so, or he's gone. I'm, I'm going to say he's in heaven. I'm hopefully in Jesus' name. Um, so he's no longer around. Let's just say it that way. I think we got it all together. But I didn't even know what gifts of the spirit was. I didn't know what a word of knowledge was. I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that, and faith comes by hearing. We didn't talk about that at the 12th Street Church of God. Okay. So I'm in college, minding my own business. I'm at MIT. So it had to be either 87 or 88. And I hear God say, Tell your uncle, if he doesn't get out of that homosexual sin, your daddy, who is dead, and your grandmother, his your grandmother, who is also dead, won't be able to pray him out of it, the judgment that's coming on him. Did I just hear somebody else's mail? I mean, I don't know. What in the what is that? You know, now this is this my favorite uncle. So I'm the I'm the favorite nephew. And you know how you have questions, but nobody know for sure. Yeah, let's see. Y'all see. <laughs> y'all try to front me. Okay. See, see, you ever had those? We all got questions, but nobody got a hundred percent definitive evidence. Everybody, everybody whispering, everybody turned their head to the side. Like, I don't know, but nobody know for sure. And then all of a sudden, I'm hearing something and I'm thinking to myself, did I really hear God? I, I, I don't have any Bible to support this because I didn't know that you could have a word of knowledge. I didn't know that. Nobody had ever taught me that. It wasn't in none of my Sunday school classes. We didn't talk about the gifts of the spirit. My pastor said, I heard somebody speaking in tongues and they was cussing. I, that's all I remembered about speaking in tongues. You ever heard Pastor Turner say something about that? He certainly did. I'm telling you, he did. I re, that's all I ever heard about the gifts of the spirit. So I had no knowledge. Faith comes by hearing and I ain't heard nothing. 
And all I know is, man, that sounded like God, but I don't know. And then I said to myself, because faith works by love. I said, David, okay, what if you're wrong? If you're wrong, he's going to be highly mad with you. But what if I'm right and I don't tell him? What if I'm right and I don't tell him? And um, if I'm right and I don't tell him, he could be lost and it's on me. And so I said, okay, so I wrote him this letter. And I'm scared. Y'all, I'm scared. I mean, I wasn't God's man of faith and power then. This was just, I, I don't even know if I heard God. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know because I had never heard nothing like this before. And um, I wrote him a letter. Next thing you know, I get a phone call a few months later. Hello? Hi? You know what this is? No. <laughs> it's your uncle. Oh, that's what this is all about. <laughs> and he didn't call me and say, I bowed down on my face because God convicted me. He didn't say none of that. You know how you know how you play it out in your mind like it could happen like this and you hoping it's going to happen the way you saw it. <sighs> none of that. All he told me was, I hear God too. Okay. I was waiting for you to tell me either I was right or I was wrong. He didn't say either. And we never, my relationship with him was never the same. Years later, Apostle had a discussion with him. And he told her, Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I took care of that when David talked to me. Well, you could have told David. You could have. <laughs> I would have felt better. I would have. Did I hear God? I never knew. But I understood because faith works by love. I had to. I, I loved him too much. I was willing to be wrong. I was willing to be corrected. I was willing to risk. Because the cost of being right and not warning was too high. And that was a cost I was not willing to pay. I did not want his blood on my hands. I loved him too much. I loved him too much. I loved him enough to risk the relationship to help him get right. And in the day we live in, that's how we're going to have to live. Everybody here with me? Because everybody's not going to be excited about what you're doing. Now, you got to come in the right spirit. I didn't come. Listen, if God had, I'd have left it alone. I didn't come putting my finger in his nose, but I had to tell him, this is what I'm hearing God tell me to tell you. I didn't put my finger in his face, but he put his finger in mine. Now, he was over the phone. He was in California. I was in Boston. But it was, I mean, if I could have seen his finger, I know his finger would have been up in my face. You know what I'm saying? It was that kind of conversation. But I loved him too much. 
And so we have to be willing to be compassionate intercessors for people and lovingly deal with the issues that we have to deal with because we are the only hope they have of salvation. All right. All right. So objectives we got for you to number one, provide perspective into God's prophetic scriptures Two, to illuminate end time events. Um, that is consistent with all the other texts of the Holy Scriptures, full of faith, hope, faith, and love. Three, to acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also judgment and vengeance. There are warming scriptures, scriptures that make you feel good, but also warning scriptures. Four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in scripture, enabling us to look backward and see forward. Five, to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events, but is not unduly influenced, such that we try to conform biblical prophecy, Bible prophecy to current events, resulting in speculation, not spiritual expectation. Six, to motivate you to be about your father's business through, under, through an understanding of God's prophetic time clock. The most exciting part of the game is in the final seconds. And then seven, to give you comfort, confidence, and hope that God has a plan for your deliverance from darkness as he ushers in the new age. All right. I'm not going to go to the first Thessalonians five. Um, it just says we're going to, we're not going to be ignorant that the, it'll come like labor pains that we need to be vigilant and stay sober and that there are two destinies. Now I gave you these eight critical perspectives and I want to show you that list. All right. And then I'm going to, give you a little bit um, back on number one. I got a key statement at the end about number one, then I'll go on to number two. All right, so number one we said is eight critical perspectives on end time events. First of all, is the preeminence principle. Jesus is the subject. Don't get detracted from the main idea. The second thing we said is all the scriptures form a single book written by a heavenly author. It is 66 connected books, not 65 plus one appendix we aren't supposed to read or understand, All right? Third thing we said is prophetic scriptures give us a sense of time, timing, and the time so that we can be in tune with the will of God in our generation, not drunk and disorderly like the world. Four, we said there is a principle of prophetic pattern repetition that occurs in scriptures. Often Bible scholars find one instance of prophetic fulfillment and lock onto it as if it was the only one. And that's really important because some people will tell you, no, that's not true because this already happened. And I'm telling you, it may have already happened, but just because it happened doesn't mean it won't happen again. All right. Number five, there is a pattern of prophetic types and shadows that foreshadowed the first coming of Christ. But there's also this is also true for the second coming. So we looked and we saw Abraham offer Isaac on a alt on on a sacrifice and it was the third day and he was raised up and that was Hebrews 11 said that was a type of resurrection doesn't it all right so just like we can look in the old testament and see some things about the first coming we can also look in the scripture and see some things about his second coming that are foreshadowed number 6 satan has always wanted to assume the place of god whether in heaven and on earth throughout history this will not change seven there are three distinct groups that have collective destinies being dealt with by god the first being the nations of the earth 
the second, the nation of Israel, and the third, the holy nation, which is the church. Eight, there is a, a clear pattern in scripture of diverging destinies, some miraculously saved and others horribly lost. Um, media team, back on number one, um, letter M, I got John chapter five, verse 36 and 37 in the um, King James Version. John chapter five, verse 36, 37, and then I'm gonna read the um, key statement that I think is on um, slide 14, all right? So John chapter five, verse 36 and 37. One of my statements before has been that we have to, there are people that try to understand end time events that don't know who Jesus is and they're never gonna get it. They can't get it because they don't know the main character, all right? So look at John, look at John chapter, 36 and 37. I'm reading it out of the King James Version. This is Jesus speaking. If you got a red letter Bible, these words are in red. And it says, but I, Jesus, have a greater witness than that of John, speaking of John the Baptist, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. He said his works were one witness to him. And the father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Now go to my key statement. All right. This is my key statement. If the Jehovah's Witnesses ever believe the witness of Jehovah about his son, they leave the kingdom hall and enter the kingdom of heaven. Bam. Because Jesus said, my father has get, given me witness. So the, the problem that the Jehovah's Witnesses have is they don't believe the witness of Jehovah. <laughs> You're trying to witness for him, but you don't believe his witness that he has witnessed on behalf of his son. So when you get those magazines stuck in your door and they say we're going to talk to you about end time events throw it in the garbage with the rest of it because they can't understand this if they don't believe the witness that jehovah had about jesus you can't understand any of the stuff about the end times that you're trying to tell explain to people you have to be wrong because you don't understand the main idea you don't understand who the one that is preeminent all right our statement number two on our list was that all scriptures form a single book. So let's talk about this. I'm going to just give you some of the review stuff. I told you a principle from 2 Corinthians 13, chapter uh, 13, chapter verse one, that we call the two or three witness rule. Right. Two or three witnesses in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Every word is established. And then I put that with Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 and said that the church is built on the Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles, Jesus Christ as the cornerstone who was the last of the old and the first of the new. So one of the ways that your pastor helps you to have a solid foundation on prophetic events is I look at the three witnesses of what the the prophets of old said about the end times, what Jesus himself said about it, and what the New Testament apostles like Peter, Jude, 
Paul and John. All of those had something to say about end time events. Even James, if you read his book, has some, something to say about rich men heaping up treasure for the last days. So you can understand. So that's why all of those things is important. I can't throw out Old Testament scripture when it comes to prophetic events because some of the Old Testament prophetic things haven't been fulfilled. The things that were associated with Jesus first coming when he said it is finished, he was finished. But there were still things that the Old Testament prophets talked about that had to do with his second coming. Those are not finished. And I don't care how many <laughs> famous preachers try to throw out the Old Testament. You can't do it and be right. I'm putting my stake in the ground. Yep, you can quote me on that. And if you want to fact check me, come see me. But you can't. All right. Now, um, 2 Timothy 3, I'm, I'm at a letter Y on my outline media team. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Now, this is some basic doctrine, but you got to get this right or you get off. Okay. I know this. No, 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 no. Just slow your roll. I know, I know you know it. Okay. But don't, don't rush past this. Later on, this is going to be real important. People that get this wrong, try to cherry pick some scripture, take a text out of context, and then form a whole doctrine on it. And they're off because they don't look at all scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. How many, how much scripture? Okay. So all scripture has inspiration in it from God. There's something in all of the scriptures that God says, I'm Jehovah. I approve that message. Okay. So Jesus, when he was talking, now Jesus, he can be a one person witness because he's Jesus. We could just use him by himself and be definitive. But even Jesus referred to Noah. Even Jesus referred to, to Lot. Even Jesus referred to Daniel. He didn't just come making these statements without referencing the scriptures that were given before. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if I don't take the revelation on, an, on a specific doctrines, doctrinal issue or subject from all scripture, I may be leaving out something that is necessary for me to be completely furnished for the good work that I'm assigned to in my generation. We are created unto good works, right? That's our scripture, Ephesians 2.10. That's our scripture. You know, they, they're playing our song. That's our scripture. We're created unto good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. But if I leave out part of the scripture, I may not be completely equipped. Not because God hadn't made the revelation available, but I haven't made myself available to that revelation because I ignored it. All right. Now let's look at second Peter chapter one. We're going to read verse 16 through 21. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 21. And this passage of Scripture will tell us one of the witnesses that, that Jehovah the Father gave about the Son. The Apostle Peter says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming, and coming, the power, not when he came, but when he's coming again, the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In other words, let me stop here because I didn't have this one in my notes. I'm going to have to go back and add this one. The way that they saw him when he shined from the inside out, the glory that they saw on him didn't come from the outside in. The veil that his flesh had on his glory was removed, and when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, that shine came from the inside of him out. The apostle Peter said that that glory, that kind of shine that he had, he didn't walk around with that shine all the time. But that's the kind of shine he going to have when he come again. Stop saying sweet baby Jesus. He ain't never going to be a baby again. Stop it. Sweet baby Jesus is gone. And sweet baby Jesus is never coming back. We were eyewitnesses of the power of his coming. And he's not coming back like a baby no more. All right? That was hot off the press. Verse 17. For he, for he Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, and that voice witnessed Jehovah's Witnesses, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Why can't you believe Jehovah's witness about Jesus? That's all I'm saying. All right. Your pastor got to tell you the truth. Hallelujah. Your friends get mad. Tell them I still love them. Verse 18. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. This is the power of his coming. He's coming with glory. It was Peter, James, and John. And John said he's coming with the clouds in glory. That's the way Revelation 1 starts. They, they call this a prophetic word, like this is how he going to come. Oh, yeah. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. He ain't coming lowly no more. You know, in a manger laid with hay, all meek and mild, he ain't coming meek and mild no more. You got the wrong picture. I didn't say that that picture wasn't an accurate depiction of where he's been, but that's not where he is now, and that's not how he's coming. All right? 
We have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed. Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that there is something contained in prophetic scriptures I got to do. Now, that makes sense. Every other scripture I got to take heed to, but prophecy has some actions in it. There's a do part for me. And if I don't spend time understanding what it says, I won't take heed. Heed means here to do. You told your kids to do something and then they just heard you and ignored you and went back to watching TV. They didn't take heed. My mom always believed that my hearing aid was tied to my rear end. You understand when I say when I say that? Yeah, she, she believed that I had a hearing aid. And she had to turn it on and turn it up sometimes. Once she tuned it in, I was good. We must take heed. All right. So we have this prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to take to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. That's one level of light until the day dawns. That's the second level of light. And the day star or the morning star arise in your hearts. There are three levels of light. This is not my main thing, but look at it. God is a God of threes. God in three persons, you, spirit, soul, and body, right? Um, But there are three levels of light. One is a light that shines in a dark place. Then there's that light becoming dawn. And then the day star, meaning the noontime sun. So prophetic revelation should increase over time, not decrease. Why are we getting closer to the end and people don't know and they don't have more light? We should have more light on these scriptures than their generation did because we're closer to the noontime sun. Because he's coming back like that in, in glory with the, with the light of the sun. The S-O-N is coming back with the light of the S-U-N. You get that? Okay. Now look at verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. You can't make up your own. I don't know if I believe it goes like this. I'm going to choose. I think it goes this way. He said you can't make up your own private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man. And since it didn't come by the will of man, you can't make up a man-made decision on how it's going to go. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. There must be then a way to interpret prophetic scriptures together under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to the point that it provides you with the daylight when other people are in darkness. We are not of the darkness, right? We read that. We are not of the night that this day should catch us unaware. It can be. (laughs) I remember when I was in China, I'm 12 hours away. So when it's midnight there, it's high noon here. So it can be dark for them, but the sun should be shining and beaming on me. Got that? That's what God intends for you and me. All right. So there's inside prophetic scriptures, things that I must do. It would not be wise to be in the time of them in the time of their fulfillment and not even know what I'm supposed to do. 
Now, interestingly, if you go from this scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1 into chapters 2 and 3, it talks about false teachers, it references Noah and Lot, and it talks about those who think Jesus is not coming again. Go back and read 2 Peter. It's only three chapters. It's not that long. You can get it. Ain't nothing there so deep you can't understand it. But it tells you that there will be false people that say things different than the fact Jesus is coming. If you tell me he's not coming and then Peter told me he did, I'm calling you a liar. I don't know how more, I don't know how, how more plain to be, but we have to be that clear because there are people, the Bible, Pastor David, you call, no, the Bible called them false. He said there will be scoffers. And see, he said there will be scoffers and these scoffers, you, you, you know, like I have friends who had parents that said, I'm going to whoop you, but they made idle threats that their, my friends didn't believe their parents. I knew when mama said I got it coming, I could ship my saddle home, baby. I could put, my, I could put that check in the mail. Sooner or later, she going to deliver on her promise. I remember one time daddy had a whooping for me. And so that day, nobody had to tell me to go to bed. Because I thought if I got in bed and went to sleep and closed my eyes, I had got away and he had forgot about it. I'm there sleeping thinking, yeehaw! And I heard the, bath, the bedroom door open. I'm not going to open my eyes. I'm not gonna, I don't want to see. If I don't see him, maybe he won't see me. All of a sudden, whap, oh, now I know what this is. He didn't forget. The Bible says God is not slack in the way we think of slackness. He's long-suffering to give us time to get it right. Okay. He ain't delaying because he don't know you doing stuff. He's just trying to give you some time to get your act together. So we want to be those who obey on time so that we can maximize our progress and our deliverance along the destiny path. All right. Our third point we said was from our main list. Number three is that prophetic scriptures give us a sense of time, timing and the times so that we can be in tune with the will of God and not drunk and disorderly like the world. Let's look at Revelation chapter one, verse one, and we're going to read down to verse seven. Um, one of the things we have to be careful of. There were people in the day of Jesus' first coming, who could tell from Scripture where he would be born? We, we talk about them every December, don't we? Herod demanded. He wasn't suggesting. He wasn't asking a question. And Herod was mean enough that if you didn't give him the answer, you know, you know when they say, don't kill the messenger? In those times, if you gave the king a message he didn't like, he could kill you on the spot. 
So when Herod demanded them where the Christ should be born, they had to find him the right answer under threat of death. And here these Jewish scholars go back to the book of Micah and they used a prophetic scripture, a prophetic scripture, a prophetic scripture to tell him definitively where the Christ would be born at, didn't they? And even though they used the scripture and knew where he would be born, they wouldn't get up and go see him themselves. That's because you know how it's going to work out won't necessarily give you if you don't choose to have a heart that wants to be in tune with it. You can know how it's going to work out and still be lazy somewhere chilling. Now, if you do that, when judgment hits you, it's going to be worse. I'm going to just tell you. That's why I tell people I know too much to backslide. That's what I mean. (laughs) Okay. Revelation chapter one, verse one, and we're going to read down to verse seven. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John. Now, first of all, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. He gave it to show servants. So it's in the word there, revelation, is the word apocalypsis, where we get the word apocalypse, but the word itself means the unveiling. Ta-da! That's all it means. We've made it into something else, but the word itself literally means an unveiling. We shall see him as he is. We shall be like him, right? We know this. First John told us, for we shall see him as he is. He will be completely unveiled in all of his power and all of his glory. All right. Verse two, he, he sent it and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Now, look at verse three. All right. Now, we say, may the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. But this one has a blessing in the reading and hearing of it all by itself. Let's look at it. Blessed, empowered to prosper is he who reads. And those who hear, all right, so I got to read it. I'm supposed to hear it, the words of this prophecy, and keep those things that are written therein. Uh Uh-oh, there's some stuff in there I'm not supposed to do. If he's telling me to keep it, there must be some actions. I must heed. I must be hearing to do. I must be reading to do. So If I isolate myself from this book, I'm isolating myself from some prophetic scriptures that have things in it that God expects me to know and to do. Can't make that any clearer than that, can we? For the time is near. Verse four. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Lord, thank you, Jesus. This book is designed to give me both grace. You want to give me favor and you want me to have peace in unpeaceful times. He didn't send this book to hurt me. 
You don't give a book and tell people how the stuff work out and tell them what they need to do to navigate the difficult times if you're trying to hurt them. You're trying to extend favor on them. Um, grace to you and peace from him who was and who is and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. That's talking about the sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that on a different day. Verse five, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. His witness is true, even when he was witnessing about himself. He can't lie. If he's telling you it's going to happen this way, he can't be lying. He's a faithful witness. The firstborn from the dead. Praise God, my number is in there. I don't know. You know, remember back when McDonald's used to say serving 10 billion and then they stopped counting. They used to put it on the sign. He's the firstborn, but my number is in there and I'm going to get up in that getting up number in Jesus name. Firstborn from the dead. And the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds. That same Peter kind of thing, isn't it? We saw him and that glory spoke about him out of the cloud. He's coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth. Remember, he's talking about the nations now will mourn because of him, even so, amen. So it says here, this passage of scripture, first of all, talks about, we've already contrasted the nations or the tribes of the earth versus the church. I'm writing this to the church, but the nations are going to see him too, right? Because we said there is the nations of the earth, the nation of Israel, which was a special nation because of Abraham's covenant, and the holy nation, which is the church. But he's telling us these nations are going to see him and they're not going to like what they see when they see him. But he's trying to tell the church so that we would know what to do, how to behave, and how to walk through the time when destruction can happen all around us, but it won't come nigh you and me. Most people say they read the, they've read the back of the book and we win, but really they haven't read the back of the book. I read the back of the book. We win. And people shout about it, but then they don't read the back of the book. There's stuff in the back of the book you got to do too. You know, you know how you read. When, you, when I was in math, the hardest stuff was in the back. The hardest stuff wasn't in the front. Because <laughs> the stuff in the back builds on everything that was in front of it. Okay, so don't be ignoring the hard part in the back of the book. Okay? All right, now, number four, we said there was, there is a principle of prophetic pattern repetition that occurs in Scripture. Often Bible scholars find one instance of prophetic fulfillment and lock onto it as if it was the only one. Look at Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to read 
chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. And it says, one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. The sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose. So it's talking about a cycle of generations. And then it's talking about the solar cycle. Then it talks about the weather cycle. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north and the wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come. There they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new? It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. Or the thing we learn from history is that we do not learn from history. That's why this thing about back to the future is so critical because we're, we're looking back at things that we all hold definitively. So I gave you the example in one of our previous sessions about the scripture that said, out of Egypt, I've called my son. And I said, you could go, when Hosea wrote that, he was talking about Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. Okay. Then Matthew took that same scripture that talked about Moses and said, this is talking about Jesus. Because when they were running from Herod, they went to Egypt and came back. Right. Then I took you over to Revelation where it was talking about two witnesses that they were being called up out of the city of Jerusalem, but it was spiritually called Egypt and God called them up out of it. So we, I have three different events. And then not only do I have three different events, but I could say for a believer who's called, who came out of sin that I call that that's a, Egypt is a type of sin. So I could preach four messages from one scripture and all four be right. Why is it that people get to pick one and say that's the only one? Prophetic scriptures don't work like that. They work like this, where this thing that happened before repeats again and again. Now, why is that important? Because if I can see the pattern, you can't fool me the next time. God wanted us to have real clues. So he gave us a way to have a definitive understanding of certain things so that when people came up with all kinds of theories, if we understand that it's one book, you can't fool me. That is so powerful. I mean, <laughs> y'all, this is not warmed over revelation. The Lord showed me this stuff. Okay. And so we talked about the fact that they called that city 
um, Egypt and how it was it was Jerusalem because it says it's the city where the Lord was crucified, but now it's Egypt. And what happens is, particularly in churches of African-American persuasion, we like a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of crucifixion and a little bit of Egypt all up in the same church. So we can sing about, you know, we can sing about God and soon and very soon, the king. And then we can sing, you make me feel like a natural woman in the same pulpit. Because we like a mix. When I look at stuff like that and I see God's witnesses dying in a place that was the place where Jesus was crucified. Jesus called Jerusalem the city of the great king. And now the apostle John said this place is like Sodom and Egypt. Then I'm saying, okay, so if it's the place where Jesus crucified, but it's now Sodom, then that means that's like having homosexuals in your music ministry. See how I put that together? I don't want that. That God called his people out of that. Now, I ain't saying people can't have issues, but you need to get delivered. He's calling his son out of that. You can't have a cross and an ankh on, you know, a cross with the loop at the top. That's an Egyptian symbol. That's not that's not the same thing as a black cross. Stop that. Apostle and I. Few years back, we went to an event by um, one of the Christian groups called Fact Flint Area Congregations Together. It was in a Christian church. I said it was in a Christian church. It was in a Christian church, a church that had crosses that demonstrated that Jesus had been crucified in it. And we came to the end of the event, and they had a person come and, and do prayer from the Unitarian Church. And we all bowed our heads and closed our eyes. And he said, oh, Jesus. And I'm like, yeah. Then he said, oh, Moses. Er? (laughs) Then he said, oh, Confucius. Oh, Muhammad. Oh, Buddha. And then I'm like, what the, what is this? I'm First, I'm just closing my eyes, and then I'm looking up saying, is anybody else seeing? Are y'all hearing what I'm hearing? I mean, like, we in a Christian church. And I'm looking around like, am I the, I'm feeling like ter- taking off my clothes, ripping my clothes, and putting on sackcloth and ashes and calling out blasphemy. But they thought... Everybody thought that was, listen, you're not coming up in destiny generation praying to some other thing but God. You're not doing it. I will lay hands on you suddenly. You're not going to do that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. If any of two of you touch and agree on anything they ask of the father, not of Buddha, not of Confucius, not of Muhammad, and not even of Moses. It shall be done for you because where two or three are gathered in my name, that's Jesus speaking. Those words are in red. I am in the midst of you. But see, we, we see if you don't read, I got that from reading that and saying, no, 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 no. God don't like that. He don't like me. And see, he's not into, 
you know, Hebrew Israelites that that mix a little bit of Old Testament black theology, some kind of stuff that they done made up somewhere. You know, five percenters worship in Egypt and then we bringing that stuff into church like it's God. And then we singing songs from Beyonce in church. And Jay-Z, stop it. That's that's and they using all of them Egyptian symbols. You go to their concerts, you can see all of that stuff. And we bring it in into the church. Turn to Revelation chapter 18. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Revelation chapter 18. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having greater authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations, the nations, the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And, okay, here's our part. Here's the part we got to keep. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, my people, my people. So there was this thing happening with Babylon, but he's calling out to my people. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. If I get associated with stuff that God going to judge, then that judgment can fall on me. Verse five, for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. We don't want to be drunk and disorderly with the world. There is this place, there is a spiritual entity in scripture in the book of Revelation called Mystery Babylon. Okay, now if I go back to the future, then I must be able to look at Babylon in the Old Testament to understand how this mystery Babylon works. I'm talking about the Babylon of Daniel's day, the one Daniel was talking about, the one that Jeremiah said came when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem. Just like I can look at that Jerusalem and understand about the new Jerusalem, I can go back and see the future because David sits on the throne of that Jerusalem, but Jesus, who is the seed of David, sits on the throne in New Jerusalem. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar 
sat on the throne of Babylon for seven years. He became a beast. And then at the end, his reason came back to him. He ran from his throne and was driven from his throne for those seven years. The Antichrist rules as a beast from his throne of Mystery Babylon. Now we're getting down to the good part. Okay. Now, what I need to know is when I was born again, John 3 says, I must be born from above. I am born from the New Jerusalem as a believer. Galatians says it this way, Jerusalem that is above is the mother of us all. Anybody read that Paul said that? So my name is written there. I got a birth certificate in heaven that says the New Jerusalem. David is a citizen. (laughs) My citizenship, the apostle said, my citizenship is from heaven. All right. But I got to be careful. Because there is another spiritual city out there operating. Just like I can't see the heavenly Jerusalem, but still be a citizen of it. I can't see mystery Babylon, but I can still have its sins suck me in. And so we're going to spend some time identifying what the scripture says is associated with mystery Babylon. And we're going to do what God said, come out of her, my people. Because some stuff people think is okay. But if I identify that thing and say, no, that the Bible calls that Babylon, I'm going to step away. I'm going to run, not walk in the opposite direction. Because I understand, just like Moses told the people that were standing next to Korah, when the ground was going to open up, y'all need to be stepping backward. Listen here. Y'all need to be stepping away from them. And some of them didn't move fast enough. But the Bible said when the ground started opening up, everybody broke wide. You understand that term, broke wide? When the ground started opening up, everybody started trying to move. But Moses had told them, y'all need to step away from him. This scripture is telling us that there is this thing, this spiritual force, this entity, this system that's called Mystery Babylon. Now, we believe in a new Jerusalem. We sing about it, that there are streets of gold. <laughs> and, I'm, and they're not paved with gold. Pavement is just the top layer. They're not paved with gold. It's gold through and through. It's not gold plus concrete under the bottom. It's not paved with gold. The whole thing is gold. Okay? But we sing about the New Jerusalem. I'm going to walk around heaven all day. We, we, we sing about three gates in the east. We're going to sweep in through 
the city where our captain has gone. Beef. Now we sing about that and we believe that that city exists. Ain't none of us ever seen it. Ain't none of us ever been there. Now, some of you have visions. Apostles says you had a vision. I'm not saying people ain't have vision, but you ain't dead yet. So you ain't you ain't lived there. But we still believe it exists. I can't believe that that exists and then say this other city don't exist. I can't say that this that one that exists and this other city don't exist. We set up our harps by Babylon. How can we sing the long Lord's song in a strange land? Babylon, since the days of Nebuchadnezzar, has always tried to steal the righteous seed and make them slaves to the system of Babylon. That's what they did to Daniel and them, didn't they? Sadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro. And what did they say? You will see the image, you will hear the sound, and you will bow down to my image under threat of death. Mystery Babylon, the Antichrist and the false prophets say, I have an image that you're going to bow down to it under threat of death. It's the same, it's the same play. It's just the, it's just the repetitive of what God has said already happened. So if I can't call that one just a figurative story, then why do I say that's a figurative story? See, because it's all one book. The key thing I got to spend time with is just spending enough time to understand how to connect the dots. And that's what your pastor is here to help you do. And I'm out of time. Did this bless you today? Do you see how already you are already more confident in your faith? You know for certain that if I can just understand what God has to say about these kind of things, I don't have any reason to fear. Because whatever the world goes through is not for me. I'm not reading a mail. That, 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 that letter does not have delivery at the Johnson household. So we can be confident that God has the best for us. We have been appointed to be delivered from the wrath that is to come.